Hey, this is Matthew Lilly. Welcome to the Presence Pioneers podcast. In the city that never sleeps, New York City, God is raising up day and night worship and prayer. Today on the podcast, we have special guest Tori Harper. He's the director of the Global Prayer Room in New York City. You're going to be so encouraged by his journey and what God's doing there right in the heart of New York City. And hopefully you're going to learn how to get God's heart for your city and your town, wherever you are, so that you can pursue his purposes and find out his dream for your city so that you can pioneer a place of God's presence right there where you are in your home, in your community, wherever God has planted you. Well, before we dive into the interview today with Tori Harper, if you're new, welcome to the Presence Pioneers podcast. This podcast exists to help you and your community to experience and to host the presence of God through day and night worship and prayer, because we believe God's presence changes everything. So every Thursday, we release a new episode. It's either a short little Bible teaching or a longer interview like what we have today with Tori Harper. And so you can just hit subscribe right where you are, and you'll get these episodes every week. We would love to stay in touch with you. You can always visit our website at presencepioneers.org. We've got all of our episodes up there. You can search by keyword or by a topic. You can learn about some of our other ministry initiatives as well, or make a donation to just support the podcast and say thank you and help us in our ministry. Well, again, thank you so much for tuning in today. Without further ado, here is my interview with Tori Harper. All right, Tori, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Matthew. It's an honor to be on here with you, bro. It's great great to have you, man. So you are leading the Global Prayer Room in New York City, right there near Times Square. And I would love for you, man, just to give us a little introduction, share who you are and what you're doing. Okay. Uh, yeah, my name is Tori Marcel Harper. Um, I have the awesome and, and risky job of leading a house of prayer in a local church community here, right in the heart of one of the world's most influential cities, New York, right in the heart of Manhattan. We lead here, which is right behind me, the Global Prayer Room and also Habitation Church. And we started a little over five years ago, a man from a prophetic word that was released by a very well-known prophet that many of you probably know, uh, Cindy Jacobs. She released a prophetic word. She said, there is coming a movement that will arise out of New York City she says that will be like an apostolic missions-based apostolic center, but 24-7 worship and prayer uh, and the tabernacle of David would be at its core. And Mm. she began to prophesy this before knowing me. And she says, there will be an African-American male that will actually lead this particular movement. And she says, he's got the spirit of William Seymour on his life. And in the prophecy, she goes on to say, the same way that the Lord used a one-eyed Black man in L.A., in California many years ago to see a Pentecostal outpouring, so shall he use a Black man in New York City to see another wave of revival come uh, Come to America through night and day worship and prayer. And so, man, um, at that time, I had no grid for the House of Prayer movement, to be honest with you. Up until five years ago, I didn't know anything. I didn't know uh, anything about the really (laughs) the tabernacle of David. I knew I loved prayer. I knew I loved the presence. I I loved the prophetic. And man, I was just thrown into this wild storyline. And here we are five years later in the middle of a pandemic. God just sovereignly gave us a a wonderful prayer room 
in a place mm. where they said it would never be done, man. And so we're wow. seeing the altar of God raised up. That's amazing. Awesome way to kickstart this conversation is with that yes, word. Sir. That's powerful. Well, give us a little bit of your journey, man. How, what was it like getting, uh, getting started there? What's been the progression, you know, and then kind of maybe where you are now? Man, to be honest with you, like I said, five years ago, I, I had honestly no grid for uh, what we know as the night and day worship and prayer movement mixed with missions. I had no grid for it. I knew I had a heart for to seeing people encounter the Lord. I, I, I had a desire for revival. I had a desire for sustained worship and prayer that went far beyond time span, that just something that would be continual and sustained a move of God. And so it was just really, man, on my heart. And so when I was introduced to this whole concept of uh, this biblical concept, might I add, of night and day worship and prayer, man, it wrecked my life. I was like, wow, there are people that actually already doing night and day worship and prayer. And so, man, I just begin to cut my teeth on all of Mike Bickle's teachings, man. I begin to uh, watch IHOP. I begin to study. I begin to and read up about the prayer movement and how it's, where it's gone. And then ask the Lord God, what is our portion in New York City? And realizing that, you know, every city has a different context for night and day worship and prayer according to what that city looks like and whatever the dreams of God is for that particular city. And so I began yeah. to man labor in prayer and, and really sit before the Lord and worship and say, God, what is your dreams for this city? This city that's known as the city that never sleeps. How do you want to raise up a, a lampstand of your presence in this place? And so, man, I just started getting gripped. And I think one of the most key stories that really marked my life was the story of the Moravian community, man. And, yeah. and finally, as I was reading up on, you know, different moves through night and day worship and prayer, biblically and historically, that particular story gripped my heart the most. And as I began to read about their lives and their dedication to sow themselves as missionaries and, and, and that one phrase, that, that common phrase that we sing about all the time, may the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. Man, that reality and that revelation and that heart cry that they had began to grip my heart like never before, man. And so... We started January 2016 in a little dance studio space, man. We, I said yes before I even knew what the cost of real estate was out here. <laughs> <laughs> and so, man, God sovereignly, we would, we would rent out little dance studio spaces and we would meet once a week. We didn't know how to do 24-7. We just said, God, we'll be faithful yeah. to do one watch. And Father, if there's one person or 10 people we would minister to you as an audience of one, as a priesthood. And man, we just did that over and over until each meeting God would build upon, each prayer meeting, God would lay brick by brick of what he wanted. And so over the last five years, man, we have seen not only that Tuesday expression expand, we've seen it go from Fridays and New York City is known for the weekend. So we really target the weekend life of New York City and where many are coming to New York City as an attraction people are being drawn to the altar as an attraction. They're being drawn mm. to the place of prayer and his presence. And recently in the middle of the pandemic, we restarted our school of ministry and I had 10 students signed up in the midst of all the stuff that was going on with the, the racial noise and the politics and all the stuff with this pandemic and COVID. The Lord said, gather a group of young Gen Z millennials and any other generation that's hungry, gather them in the prayer room for four weeks straight and let's get them in the presence and let's let's learn together. Let's worship together. Let's do life together. And man, that encounter literally marked our hearts just several months ago. And we're still riding the wave of a four-week journey 
that was only supposed to be a summer intensive has turned into a full-scale move of God and a school of ministry has been birthed out of that. We started with 10 students signed up. And within 24 hours, I had over 30 students in 24 hours that just organically heard about the school. And man, they've been going till two and three o'clock in the morning, worshiping, praying, outreach breaking out, students getting, you know, set on fire for God. You got generations and multiracial groups just gathering together right in the face of all the noise. There's a sound that's going up out of New York City, man. And so it's an honor to be a part of. Wow. That's amazing. So awesome. Yes, sir. I think there's two two things that stuck out to me that I think I would just want to pull out that might be helpful for people who are dreaming for their own cities is number one, that you said you wanted to get a blueprint from God. You didn't want to just do it the way other people were doing it in their cities. Every city has a unique purpose in God, a unique destiny in God. Wherever you're planted, you can tune in to God's heart for your city. Say, God, what if, what what is your dream? What is your destiny? What is your prophetic purpose for where you've planted me? And then begin to partner with God to see that manifested. Amazing. And the other thing that stuck out to me was you said you just started one meeting at a time. You just started and you said, if one person shows up, if 10 people show up, we're going to stay there and we're going to minister to the Lord yeah. because it's for him. And we're going to be faithful in that. And as you're faithful in a little bit, God gives you more and more and more. So, Absolutely. That. Absolutely. So uh, I think, you know, the way you're building to me is, is brilliant. The way you're moving forward, pioneering a place in New York City. Yes, but I can't imagine, I mean, it's New York City. So, yes. <laughs> so give us some, give us some of the behind the curtains of the challenges of, you've already mentioned the real estate costs. So I'm sure that's part of it, but some of the challenges or the, even the unique dynamics of doing ministry, especially such a unique ministry right there in New York city. What I love two things that I I would definitely share is yeah, the real estate is really wild. But one thing I've, you know, set before the Lord so much is God, when there's purpose, there's provision. And, you know, the Lord will open up a space. He will build his own supper house. We've just got to go with him and just follow the Lord. But I, I feel like one of the two challenges that we saw early on that we've become really a counterculture and God's given us grace in is the New York City is known as an individualistic city. So the concept of family, the concept of community mm. is something that we begin to plow home on and really begin to work that into the fiber of what we were doing, that the altar and the family table would actually be one thing. And then there were not two separate things. And so how could we get people together in a city where everyone's so individualistic on how they're going to get where they're going, what they're going to do? How do we build a family centered around the centrality of Jesus and his presence? And so we begin to really move in that dynamic, man. And so You've got generations coming together. You've got another thing. New York City is known for, we've always got to get somewhere. Mm. But really in our culture, we're saying, how do we slow down? Right. How do we move from the place of stillness? How do we move from the place of rest? How do we move from the place of all eyes on Jesus? So that is one of the big, biggest things is really breaking the spirit of the region, if you will, and really bringing a culture out of the regional principality of go, 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 become, become, become versus who we are as sons and daughters grounded and founded from the presence and really bringing that message of identity, the message of family, but the message of intimacy. And so really 
bringing a culture into it. So when you step into our prayer room, it's almost as if you don't even realize you're in New York City all of a sudden yeah. because you're stepping into a realm of eternity that the Lord has allowed us to cultivate over time. That's one thing. And second, New York City is a global uh, city. It's known as the crossroads for the world. Mm. And for me, as an African-American leader in the prayer movement, young African-American leader, you, you have a couple different challenges. Being an African-American leader in a predominantly region that's ran by other races mostly. Um, I'm one of the only probably male African-American leaders in Manhattan right now, youngest out of all of them. Mm. Um, and at the same token, creating a culture that is not inundated by the racial tension, the racial noise, that we are all family. And so one of the wildest things that we found is that majority of our prayer movement here, 70% of our house of prayer is Asian. Awesome. And so it's very funny. Like we've watched God bring like so many different backgrounds and people together. And it's been like, it's like God has allowed us to move in the opposite spirit yeah. in the midst of everything. And we are family. We love each other. I mean, it's one of the most funniest things you can see any given of our students or people from our community walking down the streets and people are like looking like, wait a minute, is that an Asian guy and a white guy and a black guy? And they're all calling each other family. Like it's such a, it's such a, a sign and a wonder, if you will, especially mm. in a time right, right, like right now. And so yeah. really creating an, an environment that every nation has a place at the table. And then we encouraged as a community that every tribe and tongue has a sound yeah. and we want to hear your sound and we don't want to, limit your sound. We don't want to make your sound my sound. And we wanted to blend it in all of the incense that we all carry from our different people groups. So, yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. It makes me think of heaven on earth, you know? Absolutely, you're, man. You're talking about every tribe, tongue, and nation gather around the throne of God. You're talking about how people walk into your prayer room and it's like they're not in New York City. It's like exactly. they're in the throne room of heaven. It's like they're in that place of his presence Absolutely. gathered around him. And, and you've got this diversity and this unity yeah. all happening in the same place. It's beautiful. It's, it's remarkable. It's, it's very humbling. And it makes you really walk carefully mm. in how to steward it. And, yeah. you know, there are moments that we, we have hard conversations. There are moments that we have to, you know, really say, okay, God, where's our heart? And, you know, how do we come out of the culture of the day and come into the culture of the kingdom or the culture of heaven? And how do we bring that to the earth? And I believe that that just comes from a place of humility and lay down love and say, God, how do you want this? What is your blueprint? Are we still walking in the way? And, we, and another thing I've learned is never build a monument what should have been a movement. Many times we try to build things out of what worked in last seasons or what worked in another city or what worked with another blueprint. Instead of saying, God, we want to make sure that this is a fluid movement, that it doesn't become such a monument, that it becomes like a cemetery. We want to be flowing and moving with the river of God at all times. Yeah, I love it. So good, man. Well, I'd imagine you, you, you kind of hinted at this a little bit, but I imagine there's been some cool things God's done in the last four or five years since you've been there. Sure. Uh, any, any stories, any testimonies stick out of some thing, you know, lives that have been impacted or you know, specific people that have been touched by the Lord since you've been there that, that maybe would encourage people. Hey guys, this is Matthew. We'll get back to the episode in just a moment. If you're enjoying the podcast, please consider joining Presence Pioneers Premium, our brand new subscriber community. Paid subscribers will get exclusive 
premium content such as bonus podcast episodes, exclusive articles, early releases, and more. Presence Pioneers will be releasing its first e-course in 2024 with many more to come. And the Presence Pioneers premium subscribers will always have full access to the entire library of online courses. Visit media.presencepioneers.org or click the link in the description to join today. You can become a premium member today for an introductory price of only $5 a month. When the price goes up in the future, as our library of resources grows, you can stay subscribed at the original price. If you've enjoyed our podcast for a while, becoming a premium member is a simple way for you to help us cover the cost of producing this podcast and partner with Presence Pioneers in equipping the church with resources for day and night prayer, prophetic worship, missions, and revival. Visit media.presencepioneers.org to sign up today. Yeah, I want to encourage, um, especially for pioneers and people that are building, especially contexts like ours, whether it's missional, whether it's worship and prayer, whether it's a local church, whatever it is, I, I want to encourage you not to despise a day of small beginnings. If the yeah. Lord has given you a word, put that word. Don't try to figure out how you're going to make that word happen. Set that prophetic word, set that promise in the presence of the Lord. It reminds me of like when they took the rods and they put them in the presence of the Lord, they took Aaron's rod and Aaron's barren rod began to bloom because it was parked in the presence. And I encourage people, take every prophetic word. Don't figure out how you're going to get it done, how you're going to make it happen. Scripture says not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. You set that thing in the presence. You give that vision back to the Lord. I am telling you, he will grow it out of his presence. You set it back in the origin of his presence, set that that word in the soil of his glory, man, it'll have to manifest. And, and I have a story with that because when we started, it was so uncertain. There were moments that the prayer room was full. There were moments that the prayer rooms was very lean. There were moments yeah. that we had people that were, they were gung-ho when it was like really fiery. And then when it came time for all the events to settle out, it was like, uh-oh, we're back to an empty prayer room. And so we had to go through different area ebbs and flows. But one particular season, I remember the Lord pruning us down to about three people. And I was saying, God, how are we going to continue to pay for this? And again, when it's God's will, it's God's bill, you know? And then one of the things that began to happen is I'll never forget, there was a night we were in a, a little small prayer room meeting on a Tuesday night. And it was about three or four of us in there. And the Lord said to me, he said, have everyone begin to call names of people that they don't know. And I said, I want us to just begin to call people in the, in the, in the spirit. Let's just call for John, call for Mary, call for this one. And let's call the nations in to come to the house of prayer. Not because we're trying to build something, but we want to see people encounter the Lord through night and day worship and prayer. Man, we begin to do that. And what was so funny is half the people that we called that night, we begin to just name, we let God give us names, Mary, Jaquan, Jamar, you, we, were, we were naming all kinds of, I was like, call different people group names. Yeah. And although it seemed really wild and outlandish at that time, I've watched many of those same names that we've called in during those early times have now joined our house of prayer. We've got wow. the jazz, we've got the, it's just so wild how God's done it. Another story, Matt, that I've watched God do, and God loves storylines, guys. Hold on to your storylines. Hold on to your prophetic words. One particular one, long before I came into the prayer room in 2011, 
I had this massive dream that I was riding on a parade float in the center of New York City down into Times Square. And I remember the street sign said specifically Broadway. And I remember in the dream, there were Hebrew talits, prayer shawls, laid in the streets of New York City as I'm riding through. And I can feel the intense presence of God in this particular dream. And I said, wow, there's been a tsunami, a storm of prayer has washed through New York City. Now keep that in mind, a storm of prayer, it looked like everything had been torn up, but the only thing that remained was the presence of God in the dream. And as I began to ride through on the parade float, I said, there's been a processional of prayer in the city. And as I began to look up on the movie marquees and the store signs, they all turned into the Star of David. And I woke up from that particular dream. Mm. Now, it looked like New York City had become Israel. It became like a Jerusalem. And so I wrote this down in a prophetic prayer book from 2011. But here it is, 2020, almost 10 years later, in the middle of the pandemic, the Lord gives us space at the house of prayer. Now, what was so wild about the whole thing is where I'm sitting right now, this particular prayer room was given over to us by a Jewish landlord. The street that we are on right now is Broadway. The name of the company of is Broadway 123. Wow. Everything that I begin to see in that dream 10 years ago began to manifest in the middle of the pandemic, mm. in the middle of the crisis. And remember, in the dream, it looked like a tsunami had washed through New York City. Now we know that when this whole pandemic began, New York City was on the eye of everything that began to happen. Yeah. And so it's, it's so much prophetic uh, significance that the Lord has brought back mm. uh, from 2011 to now. The Jewish man would give us a house of prayer. This place that I'm sitting in right now was 100 years old. Wow. I'm sitting in a prayer room that's 100 years old that had never been occupied. It was a storage room. And for 100 years, no one has ever used this place. Wow. And God literally put us in a place that's never been occupied before to build his presence. In New York City. In New York City, in the middle of a pandemic, everything that happened in the dream, I'm watching it play out. And so I want to encourage people yeah. that, man, hold on to your dreams. And, you know, Rebecca says it like this, though the vision tarry, wait for it. Yeah. You know, though the vision tarry. And so you may have a vision or a promise in your heart. But I want you to, you to know to labor with that in prayer, set it before the Lord. And, and I'm just watching God make dreams happen, even in yes. the most wildest season right now. So those Amazing. are some of my key testimonies. But that prophetic dream stands out the most yeah. because you can't make this stuff up. That's so good. That's so good, man. Hey, um, you know, a lot of cool prophetic words that you've gotten. The one you just got yourself. You got the word from Cindy Jacobs that has fueled you guys. Wondering, are there any Bible verses? Are there any scripture passages that are like pillars for you guys? Is there any words from the Bible that God's given you guys that have been like marking words along the journey that are kind of key for you guys? Absolutely. Absolutely. Man, of course, Psalms 27, 4, man, one thing about desire with the Lord, that will seek after. You know, that's been a, a pillar scripture. Isaiah says, and I will make them joyful at my house of prayer, man, and I'll cause yeah. all the nations to flow to it. It's funny because mm -hmm. even here, because we're in the midst of the theater district, we felt like God was calling us to be a redemptive piece out of the house of prayer. What would it look like for actors and artists and entertainers to come forth into the house of prayer? And that actually came out of a prophetic word that Sean Bowles 
gave us that we would see artisan begin to flood the house of prayer. It's funny, just a few months ago, we started what is called Joyful Stage, which is a theater and arts program right in the heart of the biggest arts and entertainment capital of the world. We've started that based out of that scripture out of Isaiah, but two more that really stick out to me is Malachi 111, that incense man would arise in every place. Yes. Uh, That is one key scripture, but my favorite, my favorite one out of everything, Matt, has been to build a habitation for the Lord. And that's found in Psalms 132, where David made a vow before the Lord that he would give his eyes no rest until he saw uh, the Lord's house built, till he made a resting place for the Lord's presence. And man, it's been really the cry of my heart um, of everything that we do, that we would build a home for the Lord, that we would lay out the red carpet for his presence. And like David, I refuse to give my eyes any rest until this place begins to look like the domain of heaven in the earth. I love it. Psalm 132 is really important for me personally. When God gave me the phrase presence pioneers, which is the name of this podcast. Come on. uh, It was in an encounter I had with the Lord where he gave me Psalm 132, 133, and 134 together. One. And he said there was to that part of what he called me to do was to find those with Psalm 132 in their hearts at a heart of David. Wow. Connect them together in Psalm 133 unity. And so that's, you know, and I said, God, who are these people? And he said, they're the presence pioneers. He said, the presence pioneers are those that have Psalm 132 in their hearts. They want to, they want to pioneer a place of God's presence on the earth. That's so wild. Wherever they are. So, uh, so such an important verse for me personally, and just, just near to my heart, the heart of David to see yeah. God's kingdom come as his presence on the earth among us. It's, it's, so it's good. all about him. It's all about Jesus. Yes. That scripture has become really the bedrock and the focus every time we gather, whether it's a, uh, we, we, we refuse to use the word prayer sets. We, we, we call them either prayer watch or prayer meetings. I think sometimes depending on what, whatever context you're from, you use the word set. It can kind of almost sound like a performance-based thing. Right. And I felt right. like the Lord was saying, these are not sets. These are not one and done. These are meetings with me. Mm-hmm. And so we just started changing the language in our community that we weren't doing obligated sets. Mm. that we get to meet with the Lord. These are not obligations. We get the honor of. And so, you know, man, that heart posture of Psalms 132 is, Lord, how can we serve you? What's on your heart? And the same way that you might've come on last week's worship gathering or the way that you might've come on the last week's prayer meeting, we don't want to build even a monument off of that. We want to say, God, what is it if there's something fresh? And so we want to be people of revelation, people of broken revelation that says, God, we're tender. And how do you want this thing built? How can we please your heart? How can we minister to you? And so really raising up a generation to minister to the Lord and uh, to see his pleasure and his glory break out is really the heartbeat of what we're doing right now. I love it. Well, Tori, we've got a few more minutes here together. I'd love to just let you just share your heart on what you feel like God is saying to the body of Christ right now. I know God has used you as a prophetic voice. Uh, among other things, to speak to the church. We're in a weird time. Yeah. Uh, you know, 2020 was very odd. Um, so especially when when it comes to prophetic words and trying to get a sense of what God's saying. But I value your opinion and your perspective and uh, would love to just, you know, which, whatever's on your heart, but, you know, whether it's for the prayer movement specifically or the body of Christ in general, what do you feel like God is saying to us what is he inviting us into sort of in this season here towards the beginning of 2021? Yeah, 
You know, as we begin to come into this year, I know last year the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and released quite a bit online, a lot of prophetic stuff that we release is, you know, in the prophetic movement as well that I'm a part of. You know, the Lord told us in 2020 that it would be the year of holy collision. And of course, we saw all of that. I mean, we saw a colliding of so many different things. But as 2021 came in, leading into it, the Spirit of the Lord began to speak to me about this being a time of revelation, that this would Mm. be a year of revelation, that eyes would be opened, yet things would be uncovered, but there would be sons and daughters in the earth that are fueled from the place of revelation and not present reality, um, that are not bogged by the noise, the present noise, because there's a lot of noise, but I believe in the midst of the noise, there's a sound that God wants to raise up in the midst of it. And I believe that that's one thing that the Lord's really, really highlighted to me during this time, especially in the place of us ascending, man. I feel like we've got to come up. Mm. And so Ephesians 1 and 2, man, where it says that uh, Jesus is seated in heavenly places, far above powers, principalities, all that stuff. Everything's under his feet. And then you get over into Ephesians 2, it says that now we're seated with him. And I feel like the Lord is inviting us to come back to that reality and that revelation that there are, this earth right now is not our domain, that we're called to walk from a higher place of revelation in the throne room, from the throne room, from the place of prayer, from the place of his presence. And it's an ascended place that the Lord has called us to co-labor and to be co-joined. One word is also walking in union with the Lord. I feel like there's an invitation where many have been so distracted by so many things in the name of God, in the name of ministry, in the name of doing kingdom that I think we've missed the Lord. And I feel like there's this, uh, I believe it's Haggai, it says, come let us return to the Lord. I feel like we're in these come let us return to the Lord type moments that God is inviting us in. And another key thing earlier in the year, the Spirit Lord spoke to us and said that this would be a season of tables and tabernacles. And that's where I really want to park on right there. If you look according to Exodus, it talks about the artistry or the, the layout of the tabernacle. In the tabernacle, the Bible says that there is a table and there is a lampstand. And we know, according to Isaiah, that that lampstand, I believe Isaiah 11, it represents the seven spirits of God. And so I said, well, God, why is it that there's a table right across from the lampstand? Why? Of all the places that you could have put it, in the tabernacle, why would you put it directly across? And the Lord said to me, he said, when you deal with tables, it's the place of communion. When you deal with tables, it's the place of sacrifice. It's the place of uh, joining together. It's the place of prayer. It's, it's a symbol of an altar. And the Lord began to speak to my heart. He said, son, when my people begin to get back at the table of my presence, they have direct access to the spirit of might. They have direct access to wisdom. They have direct access to the seven spirits of God that I want to release in this hour. And I feel like we've seen so many ways that we've walked away from accessing certain things and we tried to do it on our own. But I feel like there's this invitation to come back in the tabernacle, to get back at the table of his presence, to get back to the place of prayer. I've been using this statement quite a bit, is all eyes on Jesus. Yes. You know, Isaiah 6 said, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord highlighted up. And I'm telling you, I believe that God is, again, like Hebrews 12, shaking everything that can be shaken. And I believe that what he's causing is every idol to fall in this hour so that Jesus will be put on display. And so I really sense that that is one of the biggest things that God is bringing the church back to. And it's not until we do that we will see an outpouring, a sustained outpouring of the Lord's glory. He's shaking our politics. He's shaking our preference. He's shaking all of us in all the noise right now. And he's saying, in the midst of it, can I find a people that would give in the tabernacle of my presence? 
that would build a tabernacle of my presence in their cities that would build yeah. tabernacles within their homes, you know, for families to gather. Yes. And because I believe that the altar and the table are one. And so when we do that, we have that direct access. And when you look at Revelation chapter four, which has been another key verse, it says, come up here. There's an open door. And I believe that we're in an open door season where God is saying, I've got to get my people up there. Yeah. I've got to get them up. I've got to get them up. And one of the greatest vehicles that we go up is through the vehicle of worship. So I feel like there's a fresh wave of worship there's a fresh wave of intimacy. There's a fresh wave of people being apprehended by the Lord in a new way mm. to see God break out. Come on. Amen. Amen to all of that. Man, will you just say a prayer for us to close out here? Absolutely. Yeah. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I just thank you, Papa, for this opportunity to, to, to share with my brothers and sisters, to share with Matt, Father, in this hour. God, we just thank you for what you're doing. We are so grateful. Father, how much we are in love with you. We love your beauty. Yeah. We love your glory. We love your presence. We are so yes. intoxicated by you. And Father, we ask that you would continue to breathe afresh and anew upon the altar of our hearts, God, in this hour. I pray yes. for every pastor, every leader, every house of prayer, every missional group, every college campus, who is ever watching. Father, I pray that fresh fire would come on the lampstand of their heart, Father, that they would build the lampstand of God in their cities and nations. Father, yeah. I thank you that this is a year of revelation that we will see you in new ways through worship, through prayer. And Father, I thank you for a fresh wind, even on the prayer movement like never before. Father, I thank you for fresh fire on the lampstands. Father, I thank you for fresh grace in the secret place. Father, I thank you for oil in the secret place. I thank you for a movement of fire and oil being released for such a time as this. It's not just about the next 10 years, but God, it's about the next 40 mm. years of what you desire to do. And so, Father, we bless this movement. We bless these beginning stages, even in the midst of what looks like the most craziest time. Father, we see your handiwork. Holy Spirit, have your way. Breathe afresh and anew. Yes, Come, Holy Spirit. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Hallelujah. Tori, thank you so much. My honor, bro. Awesome, man. Thank you for tuning in today. Look, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends, share it on social media, send it out to your local community so that it can encourage and help them as well. If you're on YouTube, give us that little thumbs up, leave us a comment. If you're on Apple, a rating or a review would be really helpful to get this podcast out in front of more people and give us more credibility so people know that this will help them as well. Thank you again for tuning in. Please hit subscribe if you haven't yet. And don't forget, God's presence changes everything. Mm -hmm.